Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by CGC Cards, card grading all in one place. CGC Cards is devoted to expert grading of collectible cards, including TCGs, sports cards, and non-sports cards. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by GemRate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit GemRate.com. It's free. Sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and valuing your cards. Use the app to build your collection and buy and sell with other collectors. Turn the hobby into your side hustle. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TV, TV, TVs. No, I'm not going to mess up today, Drew. I promise. I'm going to be much better. I'm really so excited to do this show. We're going to talk TTMs, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is Season 5, Episode 38, September 23rd, 2023. You're listening to the nationally ranked sports card podcast hosted by me. Jeff Baker, I'm talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and I promise, heart, hand over heart. To if I had a Bible, I'd put the Bible down. I will. I swear to do the best, and I will swear that we will be a, a better technical show than last week. Last week, right, Drew? Yes, absolutely. Promise. We promise. And that the voice on the other end of the, the line from his, uh, we have a fifteen hundred mile string. One can one tomato can to another tomato can. That's Drew, Drew Pelto. He's talking to, to us from Arlington, Texas. He is the man. He is on YouTube. He is DFW Grapher on YouTube. He just put up a new video. Drew, why don't you tell everyone about your new video? Yeah, just uh, had some of my uh, TTMs from the week. Uh, highlights a couple songs from the Pearl Jam show that I, shows that I went to go see. Um, yeah, that did was about it. Pic- I mean... Did you take any pictures or video at the Pearl Jam? No, they wouldn't let you, right? Oh no, they they are very open about letting fans record shows, take pictures, everything. So there's two uh two songs that are in there that I recorded from the show. So oh wow, good. I haven't seen this one yet. So I know you. I just saw you just post, posted it the other day, but I haven't I haven't looked at it yet. Yeah, I put it up. I think it was like Sunday morning, and it's weird. I haven't gotten there's at some point on Sunday that I put it up, but it's weird. I haven't gotten any uh any comments on it at all, which is weird. Usually I've got like two people to comment like almost right when I put them up, and nothing this week. So hey, if you're out there checking it out, you know, let me know, put a comment, whatever you got, but. Yeah, it's got my uh, my TTMs from last week. Uh, I think I didn't do any in-person stuff last week. So, yeah, just those and Pearl Jam stuff. But, yeah, it's got all that on it. Very cool. Hey, did you start making your um, license plate guitar yet? I haven't yet because I still need to get – I still need to buy all the wood for it and everything. So that's going to wait a little while. And I like doing it when it's cooler outside. And right now it's still in the high 90s down here. So so I have to go out there, you know, I'm working, you know, hand saws and all that stuff. And you don't want to do that 90 degree heat that just wears you out real quick. So maybe once we get into October, November, I'll finally uh, start uh, working on those a bit. Drew, it's 59 degrees here. I'm in a friggin' sweatshirt. It's cold. Uh, spring, spring, spring is here. We we had our false fall already, which is, you know, when it gets down to like 70s for a couple of days, they're like, oh, finally it's here. And then nope, it's, it's supposed to be 100 today. So yeah, it's uh, gonna, no, we, we, we got the hurricane coming up, so we got rain. It's going to rain all weekend. Uh, yeah. Um, if you're playing, if you're going to play the Jets and Patriots game, play under, guys. Under, it's going to be windy and rainy in New York and Boston. Um, not, it's. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. 
if they offer an over under for turnovers, take the over as well. Take the over as well. Yeah. Between Mac, Mac Jones and, and uh, Wilson, they're going to leech throw two picks, right? Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, uh, you know, I've had a slow week in terms of collecting wise. And in, in fact, uh, going to yesterday, I was like, geez, haven't bought any cards, didn't 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 get any TTMs. It was just like, am I am I really a collector? I, I didn't even know. But I went out to Target with my my wife yesterday, and I picked up two score blasters. Um, they were like twenty five bucks each, and I don't know. It was just fun. They just fun to rip. So I, I ripped one last night, and I've got one I'll probably rip later, or maybe on Sunday. Um, no autographs in this one yet, but um, I don't know. I, I just like the cards, and then I I, I think I'll start putting together to see how close I am to the set. And then I'm going to the Red Sox Rays, our last game on Wednesday. I'm not sure who's going to be in the autograph alley, but whoever it is, we'll, we'll try to get some stuff for you guys. Um, just kind of, I guess, winding down, right? Winding down baseball is is, is what we're doing. And foot, football's kind of, uh, you know, started going, but not crazy. Have you been following the whole uh, Colorado, University of Colorado stuff with Deion Sanders and his, his son? A little bit. I mean, just as kind of, you know, as a college sports fan in general, I've been just kind of following it at arm's length. Colorado is one of those teams that just doesn't really register on my radar very much. I mean, you know, they're what, Big 12, Pac-10, whatever the hell they're in right now. It just, yeah, never really is uh, one that I paid super close attention to at all. But it's Dion, so they're always going to be in the news now, it seems like. No, I know. He, I mean, that his son is supposed to be very good. I've seen, I've, I saw him play one game and uh, he looks good. Yeah. Looks yeah. good. I also, we got an invite. My wife and I got an invite to um, a company has a box down at Providence for, to mm-hmm. for the Providence Bruins. So we're going to go um, mid-October to go nice. see the Pro- Providence Bruins. I haven't been down there in a little while, so it, it should be fun. Um, did, did you ever graph down there? I never did. I didn't have the. Uh, I didn't have a car when I was at Emerson at all. So there's no place to park the things, and I didn't even have a license until I was 24. So. Yeah, never really got down to Providence or Lowell or Worcester or any of those places to uh, graph hockey at all. All right, wait a minute. There's a story there. You you, you kind of let that one. I'm not going to let that one slip by. Yeah. You got your license at 24? Yeah, never had a, never had it when I was uh, in Ohio at all. How never come? Never needed it when I was in Boston. You just didn't and want it? Once, just never had a need for it at all. I mean, when I was in Ohio, it's like, all right. I mean, my parents were, my mom was driving down to Akron twice a week from our hometown, which is hour and a half each way basically so she's like i don't give a damn i'll drive you wherever you need to go because i'm used to doing this already so i'm like okay cool whatever so just drove uh got got a ride everywhere just about because of that then i went to emerson and i was taking the tea everywhere yeah there's no place to park even so it's like i'm taking the tea everywhere so no need to have it there it wasn't until i got down to texas here when i was what 21 almost 22 that it's like I figure, okay, whatever. I can make my way around with you know the city buses here. And no, the city bus in Wichita Falls was terrible. You get one to run. It's supposed to run like on a certain, on a very specific time uh, schedule and everything. And no, there was like times when the bus would be up to two hours late. I was told. So I'm like, oh, I can't take that anywhere. Okay, well, uh, well, I, my job was less than a mile away, so I could walk to that every day. So I typically I just yeah I'd walk to work most of the time. And never really needed it. And then finally, it's like once I started working. In the Wildcats, I was like, all right, yeah, I should probably get a license now because I'm going to have to, you know, drive down to there and everything. And so finally got it after that point. And yeah, had it ever since. But yeah, I was, cool. I was 24. That's 24. cool. My my grandfather lived to be 99 and he never had a license. Yeah. He always lived yep. in Boston, worked in Boston, took the 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 public transportation. But it, when he, he moved in with us 
after my grandmother died and uh it was just a drag because he couldn't go anywhere so we had to take him anywhere we had to take him every anywhere he wanted to go but um yeah. different at different time but that that's interesting I, I i remember i got mine when i was 16 and a half like the day the day i could get it basically and yeah. uh, i took my driving test in a blizzard it was literally a blizzard there was probably like i don't know a foot of snow on the ground and I'm 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 sitting there doing my driving test with no there was no one on the road. <laughs> yeah, part of it too was I mean insurance costs. You get in you know licensed driver at sixteen. Oh, your your family insurance is going to shoot up. So I don't think my parents really want to pay for that at all. And I remember my mom saying because I was sitting there like fifteen and a half, you know, looking in the classified ads of used cars and all that stuff, trying to figure out okay, hey, what can I get in a year in a, in the next year? And she's like, um, yeah, I don't see why you really need your license now. I didn't have mine till I was eighteen. I'm like, oh. Okay, fine. If you if you if you're gonna make me wait till I'm 18, then maybe I'll just never get it at all. Then okay. <laughs> so yeah, it was a little bit of that kind of stuff too. But yeah, for the most part, I just I mean, I never thought I was going to need it, and then I ended up in Wichita Falls, Texas. So there you go. See, we learn interesting facts about each other every time, every right. day. That was yeah. that was that one took me. You, you like you, you, it was off the cuff, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm not letting him get away with with that. Yep, I got yep. there's a story there. I got to dig in, yep. dig a little deeper. Very cool. How's your yeah. week so far? Very quiet as well. I haven't had any trades or any purchases at all. I mean, purchases are going to be on the wayside for a while here because we've got uh, my wife and I are going up to Colorado at the end of next month. So we've got about a month to save up for that. I got to, you know, work some overtime to get my Pearl Jam ticket paid for and all that. So it's like, yeah, um, I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of wheeling and dealing here unless it's some trades or something like that. But I am at least going to the Rangers Mariners game tomorrow. Uh, I've got some. Uh, Actually, a friend from Arkansas, I think, is going to be out there as well, uh, Carl Frank, who is, uh, I know he's active on Facebook and a couple trading groups there and TTM groups and stuff. I'm uh, not sure if he, I think he may listen to the podcast every now and then as well. But uh, I think he's going to be out there, and uh, Aubrey and I are going to be going out there. Aubrey, of course, has been on the show here before, so we'll be going out there and uh, probably meeting up with him and hanging out there. Yeah, go check out some baseball, see if I can get any Mariners autographs. Yeah, what do you what do you think? you think they're going to sign, be uh, signing, or are you not quite sure? I have heard Julio know. Rodriguez is actually a decent signer for being as big name, a big of a name as he is. So, fingers crossed that he does it. If not, then you know, hopefully, I'll just be able to get some guys I need for the heritage set there, and just on the on the back end of it. So, what are you? What card? Are you, what are your card? Are you bringing for Julio? I think I've got his heritage minors card in there because I think he had two in there. One of them was a was one of the short prints, which I don't have, but I think he may have had one of the in action cards. So I'll have to look through and see if he has that one. I'm taking that. If he doesn't. That's when I'm going to start sweating and see if I can dig up something anywhere <laughs> that I've got here. So anything yeah. and everything, right? Well, good yeah. luck. That keep keep us posted on that one. That, that's kind of yeah. exciting. Well, guys, we have a really fun show for you today. We have Jeff Owens from Sports Collectors Digest. He is editor, of course. And Drew, they're celebrating their 50th year. They started in October of 1973, and they're going to have their 50th anniversary issue out. Uh, in a couple of weeks and we talked to jeff about 50 years of sports uh, collectors digest and uh we talk a little panini and fanatics and state of the hobby and uh it's just a fun interview it's a little long but um jeff's always a, a great interview so please stick around for that wednesday wednesday we we're going to have ted mann from collects on uh if, if you haven't seen collects has added a, a new ai feature to their app which is really really cool. So we'll talk we'll talk a little about that in Baker's dozen. But we're gonna have Ted on uh, on Wednesday on this Wednesday coming up to talk about uh, the new AI feature in on Collects. True. We also have all our regular segments, right? 
Yes, we do. We've got, of course, as you just mentioned, Baker's Dozen. We're going to cover all the news in the hobby that we've had from the previous week. Jeff Owens coming on to talk about the 50th anniversary of Sports Collector's Digest. I've got a uh, rant and rave here, so we're going to, I guess I'm going to get to get my uh, 60 minutes I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking yeah, forward my, to it, my friend. Get my 60 minutes Andy Rooney moment here, so I'll take uh, take advantage of that while I've got it. We've got Making the Grade, where we cover everything in the world of card grading. We've got our stamp of approval, where Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to just about anything we've come up with from the previous week. You never know what it's going to be from us. Kind of shows we have interests outside the hobby, as limited as they may be. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the Vern Rap Minute, where we cover any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics. Anybody that you might consider TTMing, if they've died, we'll try to let you know about it. And, of course, the main reason why we all are here are TTM Returns. Very good. You're the best at that. The best at that. Guys, we're going to have – I gave Les Wolf the, the week off this week. So um, we're going to do uh, free appraisals from Les. So if you have anything that you want Les to give his appraisal in terms of value or if you have a uh, autograph that you might be in question, send it off to us. Send it to me at – PTMcast at yahoo.com. I think we're going to do that on – I'm going to record on Thursday. So if you have anything, please get it to us by maybe like the end of the day, uh, Wednesday. So if you have anything, we're going to do uh, uh, free appraisals. We do it every month with less. And it's it's really an opinion, not a true appraisal. But uh, Drew's done it. If you have, he had his, his Baltimore Orioles, uh, what was it, 63 baseball? What year was that? Uh, yeah, 63. 1963 uh, Orioles baseball and, and less took a look at that and again it doesn't have to be you know a babe ruth or a ted williams it can be just something that you something you like you, you know you picked up a, a something at a flea market or you picked up something that um you know maybe you got an autograph from some somewhere that that you're not sure if it's real or not or if you maybe you have like a one-of-a-kind item you know a special uh, multi multi-sign thing less is very good at that so if you have anything you want less to uh give his opinion on and he'll give you a value on we'll give a value on it best we can and he'll also um take a look at the autographs and if you're questioning if authenticity of an autograph he, we do that as well so send your stuff just send you know one or two items with pictures multiple pictures if, if you have uh, multiple angles if it's something that's kind of unique and um just like a, what your you know your question is it of it and uh put la for less uh wolf appraisal or, or less wolf appraisal or four appraisal, something like that, or four less, send it to us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. And we like that before like the end of the day on Wednesday. Yeah. All right, Drew, I think we got all our housekeeping in order. Um, why don't we go right into Baker's Dozen, all right? Sounds good. All right, Bill. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Just a couple things that I want to mention. Uh, I got a really nice letter and a package from a, a, one of our listeners yesterday, actually. His name's Jack Flynn, and I just want to thank Jack. Jack sent me a copy of a book. It's called Why We Love Baseball, A History in uh, 
50 Moments by jo Joe Poznanski. And I haven't started reading it because I just got it. But I'm going to, I'll, I'll read it and I'll give you guys a book report. It looks like a, a great book. And he also sent me a autographed Scott Rowland uh, Topps Chrome Black uh, card. So I didn't have a Scott Rowland card. I've been talking about getting a, an auto, autograph of his. And uh, I, I thank Jack for that. So we, you know, we love our listeners and we love to hear from you guys. Um, and Jack, thank you very much. So it was much appreciated. It was, it was very kind of you to send in a, a nice uh, letter as well. Uh, a couple other things. We have our $10 coupon from Collects that is still in, in play. Um, they have a marketplace where you can purchase cards. I know Drew used his $10 and bought a, bought a card the other day. Um, so if you want free $10 from Collects, it's real easy. Just sign up for Collects. Go to your, uh, Google Play or uh, your, your Amazon, not even, yeah, no, your Apple App Store. Download the Google app. It's free to use. And um, they're going to get the, just send us your Google, your, your collects name and your email address and Google will send you $10 that you can use in their marketplace. Uh, send it to us at TTMcast at yahoo.com. Yeah. And just put $10 or collects or something like that in the subject line. So we know, and um, we will take care of you on that one. We have some raffle winners to announce. So we have, we got two uh, card cradles that uh, from our friends at card cradle cardcradle.com check that out we have two winners we have neil cousins from franklin mass and john miller from wilmington delaware so that's kind of cool i live in wilmington massachusetts and he we have, i think this is the first one we got from wilmington delaware so congratulations yeah. john congratulations neil i will drop those into the in the mail to you this week and uh you know let, let us know what you feel well how you uh how you like these things so congratulations yeah. on that also we have reed larson books to give away yeah, I got two copies of that, as we mentioned last week. We've drawn our winners for that, and they are Mark Sacheco of uh, Newton Highlands, Massachusetts. Hey, I know him. And uh, Jeff Vervleed of Lower Gwinnett, Pennsylvania. I hope I pronounced the, uh, both the last name and the town name correctly there. But uh, congratulations, Mark and Jeff, on uh, winning copies of Reed Larson's book. Yeah, the books are going to be coming directly from the author, okay, guys? So um, I know he. I sent out the addresses to him yesterday. He told me he was going to get him to the mail on Monday. So uh, if you don't see anything by, I don't know, the end of of next of the end of this week coming up, let me know and I'll follow up. But um, he's been he's been great sending out the books. So we thank Reed Larson and Jeff Olson. Uh, they were fun, fun guests. I, I hope uh, you got a chance to listen to the interview, Drew. Um, Reed was was a really really fourth coming and you i think the book's really good so um congratulations guys and thank you uh to reed larson and jeff olson for donating the books all right let's talk a little news drew yeah we mentioned we mentioned at the beginning collects has a new ai feature and let me describe to you what, what it what it is so when you find if you put in a, a search or you're looking for a card you upload a card pick any player it doesn't matter if it's stan pappy or if it, it's it's brooks robinson you put you, you you scan it in, and then there's going to be there's a new button that's kind of down in the bottom right hand corner that says AI, and you click on that, and then it, it says, uh, "Tell me more about the 1978 Topps Stan Pappy card number four twenty two," and then it, it it tells you like the story, it gives you a little story about Stan Pappy his career, tell, tells you a little about the card, and it it's really cool. It's it's just a a fun little addition to collects and yeah. it's really neat so uh make sure you check that out i think they just started it the other day i was actually playing around with it yesterday and um it works perfect 
any any car doesn't matter who pick the the most nondescript guy or or or, or Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter that they got the information in there for for, for the AI. So we're gonna have um, Ted Mann on on Wednesday to talk about how he got this uh, how this works. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. So congratulations for collects on that. Uh, we had mentioned collects now has what two hundred million cards in their marketplace, right, Drew? We mentioned that yeah. last week, I believe. So congratulations to collects on that. And then we had more. I can't believe we're doing this again, Drew. I just can't believe it. It, it just keeps on coming. The stupid Panini and fanatics. There's more trouble for Panini. The WWE. That's the World Wide Wrestling uh, Entertainment Federation. They're wrestling guys. They terminated their card license with Panini, and they're going with Collects. I guess there's two more years Fanatics. on the Fanatics, not Collects. Fanatics, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's two more years on the uh, on their contract, and they've decided to pull out, saying that that Panini isn't meeting their obligations. Which I don't. I'm just. I don't know. I'm tired of it, Drew. This all this legal wrangling, and it's just weird. From what I saw, Panini has already filed a lawsuit against them over this, and uh, I think a lot is going to come down to what happens with the Panini versus NFLPA deal, and I believe that goes to arbitration this week, this coming week. So, um, yeah, whatever happens out of that, I think will weigh heavily on what happens with any Panini WWE suit. I think if the arbitration rules in favor of Panini, WWE may very quietly be, uh, yeah, never mind, we'll go ahead and stay on with this. But, I mean, from what I saw, WWE's claim is that Panini didn't uphold their end on card-related games. And Panini says, yes, we most certainly did, that stuff like, you know, Box Wars and Pack Wars at the National and other major card shows and stuff count as games, that that's what it was in there. So it sounds like there may have just been some very unspecific language there as to what constitutes a card game and what doesn't. I think WWE was thinking it would be more like, you know... Like Monopoly actual, like, or whatever. Yeah, right? like yeah, like the uh, the Monopoly thing that they did with uh, with the NBA or something like that. So... It may just be, you know, depends on what the uh, language in the contract, how the uh, how the courts end up viewing that particular wording of it to see how this is all going to go, if that's the main reason, which is what I've seen from reading stuff online there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from it. And I think this week is going to be a big week for a lot of this stuff. And unfortunately, when it comes to stuff with arbitration, we don't get any of the details. We just get the final ruling, essentially. So yeah. I yeah, I mean. There's stuff I know and I can't talk about, but I I think things are going to go Panini's way in the NFLPA deal. I'll be anxious to see how it comes, how it ultimately pans out, though. Yeah, I mean, it's so I know you can't comment on a lot of this stuff, so I apologize. It, it, and again, if you don't want to comment and I understand, just just say I can't talk about that. So I'm not yeah. trying to. I'm not trying to get you in trouble one way or the other. Um, I've said about I as think, much as I could possibly say. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think so I, I think my opinion is I think it's very a very weak move by the WWE. Um, you know, you know, it's it, it's 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 com- kind of like Panini did everything that that they thought they were doing, and and WWE obviously in a money move is trying to get it out to. Fanatics, because I'm sure there's more money in Fanatics than the, their current deal with Panini, but I don't. It, it's just too bad that all this stuff has to happen. I'm looking forward to how the arbitrator arbitrator rules this week, and we'll keep you we'll keep you informed, right, Drew? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as we know anything. All right, Drew. We have some uh, uh, cool figures from eBay. Mm-hmm. Got the top ten active NFL player sales on uh, eBay in the U.S. and Canada here right now. And there's a lot of names you'd expect, but also some uh, risers here, some very uh, new players there to this list. So 
Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts at the top three. Not too surprising right there. Uh, Josh Allen came in fourth. Justin Jefferson, fifth, the first non-quarterback on the list. Jamar Chase comes in sixth. Aaron Rodgers, seventh. I'll be interested in seeing what happens with uh, his stuff now with the uh, season-ending injury to him there. Bryce Young comes in the eighth spot, so our first rookie on the list, followed by another couple more rookies. Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud bring up the uh, final three spots. So be interested to see uh, how much those uh, bottom three uh, there in that top ten rise over the next couple of months, depending on what happens with their seasons. Yeah, it's so, football is so weird, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. guys like like uh, Jonathan Taylor and um, the guy, the the uh, the guy uh, Cook, yeah, from, Cook. from from Minnesota, that's with the Jets now. They, they were they were great players, and all of a sudden they just fall fell off the earth. And, yeah. and how'd you like to have invested in one of those two guys? And and like the, this stuff is just tanking. So I don't I don't know. It's very weird. Is there anyone that you've seen increase their value or, or increase their exposure uh, since the start of the football season? Is there anyone that you like? Oh, that guy. That guy's really uh, opened my eyes. I wasn't really watching him. Anthony Richardson a bit because he was a guy that was uh, he was kind of a uh, seems kind of a low floor, high ceiling guy coming out of college. And I figure, OK, you know, maybe he's going to sit most of the year behind somebody for the Colts. They're kind of learn the NFL a bit and then step in next year. And no, he's stepped in right off the bat. Seems like he's had a real nice start and everything. And so I think he's going to be a guy to watch out for. I think he's a guy who has gained a lot of uh, value via exposure and via just getting an opportunity and running with it. I know. He, speaking of running with it, he's got to learn to go down. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's going to die if he keeps playing the way he plays. Yeah, college hits and NFL hits are two very, very, very different things. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little about that a little later in, in our Ran Rave segment. But yes, yes, we will. <laughs> so we will. yeah, I guess this, I mean it's kind of early, and, and I I think I think you're right. I think Richardson and maybe uh, C.J. Stroud who had Stroud who had a good week this uh, week too. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm 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 more of a collector than an investor. You know what I mean? I'm not going. I don't go out and go buy. 20 Justin Jefferson cards because I think he's going to, you know, be the next, the next thing's uh, best things in sliced bread. But I know there are people that prospect and, you know, more power to you. It's, I don't, I would have an ulcer if I, if I had to make my living that way, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with these guys. I mean, I'm talking here about Anthony Richardson. Somebody may find the flaw in his game and expose him and, he may be out of the NFL in four years. We don't really know at this point. And I just, I, I can't get behind that person. I can't get into putting my money into something like that. I agree. All right, but we have some new releases to let everyone know about. Uh, 2022 Panini Flawless Football, which is a very high-end product, obviously. You get one pack, 10 cards, six on-card autos, one or two gems, and two or three memorabilia. These are these are nice cards, guys. This is this, yep. this is this is top of the line stuff. Uh, you know, it comes in that the 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 metal case. It's a it's a it's a very nice product. Those are going for uh, seven thousand eight hundred dollars. So, um, you know, I, I I would advise if you if you want to get something, either get in a break or go find the one or two players that you collect and try to get the get the cards that way because uh, it's very expensive. But they are, I mean, they're beautiful cards and. If, if yeah. I had disposable income, maybe maybe I'd buy it to one or two, right? Right, exactly. Got some uh, some more affordable stuff here from the tops. The Allen Ginter set is out now. That's one of my favorite ones, of course, because they uh, it's mostly baseball, but they also throw in some other just random. You never know who you're going to get in some of those uh, some of the cards in there. 
But uh, the, in a uh, hobby box, you can get 24 packs with eight cards per pack, three hits per box. It's $145, and you're going to see a 350-card base set there with uh, 50 of them being short prints. So, yeah, I mean, check that out for sure. They're always great for getting autographed, whether it's from the baseball guys or from the non-baseball ones. Do you buy the box? Do you buy a box of Alan Ginter every year or no? I don't. I typically, I'll grab a couple blasters or something like that. And uh, it's usually my friend Chris hooks me up with the, uh, he'll go through and look through the list to see, okay, how many people sign. He'll pick up like two or four cards or something given to me and I'll send them out and we'll basically do a TTM 50-50 on it. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, um, they have those, the rip cards, which I really, those, yes. those drive me crazy. Cause uh, I, I would never not rip one of those, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. But it's pretty cool. So Alan Ginter for $145, not bad. All right, guys, we have 2023 Panini Mosaic Football is out. 10 packs, 15 cards per pack. You get two autos, 15 mosaic parallels, five silver parallels, and 20 inserts. The 2023 Panini Mosaic Football is going for $400. And, and guys, um, especially when it comes to Panini, watch the market on those. Because sometimes after, if they're out for like three or four weeks and there's not as much demand, you can get them for, you know, they take a third off that price usually. So yeah. kind of if, if it's not something that you really need right today, it, it sometimes pays to wait, right, Drew? Yeah, sometimes you'll see some discounts on them. And uh, yeah, like you said, if it's not something you're immediately collecting, maybe hold off a little bit. Speaking right. of some uh, Panini stuff, we've got a select baseball coming out as well. You're going to see a breakdown of 12 packs with five cards per pack, two autographs, two memorabilia cards. $145 price tag on that. So we got, this is um 2022-23 Panini Mosaic NBA. This is uh, on the, it's available on their, their site right now. And it's called Fast Break. There's um 12, 12 packs, 12 cards per pack. You get one Fast Break auto. Those boxes are going for $275. But we also have Panini Mosaic Choice. Not sure what the difference is there, but I mean that, that a Fast Break one, you're looking at 144 cards in there. Whereas with the mo with the mosaic choice, you're getting it one pack of eight cards, an auto guaranteed in there, four hundred dollars on that. So I'm guessing maybe that's going to be a lot of the uh, kind of short print parallels or something that you might get out of that. Yeah, and maybe the it's a different uh, stock. Maybe it's a better stock. Yeah. I don't, it's possible, but um, so that wraps up new releases for the week. Uh, we also want to wrap up Baker's Dozen. All right, we'll yep. close out Baker's Dozen. Um, Drew, should we got to get? A, I, I've got to get get a new intro for you. All right, we got we got to record an intro for you. But ready for this guys? You ready for take 2? This is episode 2 of Drew Pelto's Rant and Rave. The floor is your your my friend. All right, I have absolutely no I cannot understand why there's anybody in the world who can be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You have the dirtiest team in the league over the last what? Probably 50 years or so. Possible exception being the Oakland Raiders. That's the only one I could possibly even put anywhere up close to them. But seriously, how does anybody have any respect for the Steelers? You've got, I mean, just looking at the last, what, 15 years or so, and just between the Steelers and the Browns, this doesn't even cover the crap that took place between the Steelers and the Bengals over the years, which is probably even more and elevated. Patriots I mean, those, too, and the Patriots, too. Yeah, and the Patriots. I mean, hell, you can name any team in there with the Steelers. But especially looking at the, uh, at the, uh, NF at the AFC North, because, I mean, you're facing this, you've got the Steelers facing the Bengals twice a year, facing the Ravens twice a year, facing the Browns twice a year. You can come up with all kinds of dirty hits in that. But just looking at just the Browns and Steelers alone, Heinz Ward's blindside block on David Holly back in 2007, that basically, that pretty much ended Holly's career. He played the rest of the season. He was done after that year, though. 
James Harrison back-to-back seasons with dirty hits. Mohamed Matsukwa, his career was never the same after that hit. Colt McCoy took him out of a game for a while because of an absolutely dirty hit. You get Antonio Brown kicking Spencer Lanning in the face in 2014. He got nothing for that. Oh, 15-yard penalty in the game. Whoop-dee-tinkle. That's great. You got Ryan Shazier taking out Deshaun Kaiser 2017. Last year, Anthony Walker gets injured on a play, and Chukuma Okafor just throws himself right down on him on the ground. Oh, that's clean. What did he get? He got a little fine. Anthony Walker's season is over. That's really fair. That's really even. Now you've got Minka Fitzpatrick laying into Nick Chubb, who's already engaged high on a tackle, and Fitzpatrick not only throws himself into his leg, throws as low as he possibly can into his leg, anchors his foot into the ground. He's torn multiple ligaments. His season's done. His career is probably over at this point. Yeah, it's so How sad. does anybody out there have any respect for the Pittsburgh Steelers? How do Pittsburgh Steelers fans live with themselves? You never met anybody worth a crap who likes the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you like the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're listening to this, you need to reevaluate all of your life choices up to this point. You think it all, do you think it all starts with Mike Tomlin? Oh, it's going back further than Tomlin, but Tomlin has escalated for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy know. who also has walked out on the field and tried to trip a guy up. I mean, come on, that's that's just yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 hit on on Chubb because I saw I was watching the game. That yeah. there was no, it was unnecessary. It was right. It was, I mean, if you want, it's good to go and you know get a second guy on him. You don't throw yourself into his like ankle level on the guy. Go into his hip. You know that's the that's pretty safe zone right there. And you're probably going to stop him just fine by doing that. So, yeah. Right. And the, I mean, the, of the, course, the, Steelers, the Steelers historically ahead. for the last 10 years, I would agree. They, they've had a lot of really yep. questionable play, right? Yeah. And to, to make it even worse, Heinz Ward and James Harris have both step up and say, I didn't see anything dirty about that hit. He's just playing a hard game. Yeah, of course you would say that. Of course you would. So. All right. Very good. Cool down. Have a drink. Huh. Take a breath. That's Take a good. breath. That guys, that was Drew's rant and rave for this week. Uh, you know, we we'll do we'll have a Drew's rant and rave periodically. We don't do it every other every week, but I would think just about every every other week, Drew finds something to piss him off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can easily <laughs> find some. I, I try not to look for it, but sometimes it just comes up and it just that, comes that, up. That, that just, was, that was it just comes your way. All right, guys, that that closes out rant and rave. Hey. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about it. It's a new a new segment. And if you have a topic that Drew you think Drew should address, we're, we always like that as well. So send us an email to TTMcast at Yahoo.com. And let us know what you think about Drew's rant, rant and rave segment. Uh, it, it's my new favorite segment. I, I just have to tell you that. I, yeah, I, 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 I want to lobby for it every week, but, you know, we got to we, we, we can't. It, Drew will have a, a coronary if we do that. I also don't think my wife knew that this was coming because she was sitting on the couch kind of looking at me like, are, are, are you okay? Hold on. Whoa. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Okay. Tone that back a bit. So yeah, guys, Drew's trait. Drew's <laughs> is, uh, got like five shades of red. He's five shades yeah. redder out after doing his round and rave. So we'll calm down. Ready? Everyone breathe. Namaste. Right. Ah, <laughs> All right. Next up we drew, we have collector's corner. Yes. It's football season. There's no better time to get your NFL stars, rookies, and veteran cards graded. CGC Cards offers fast turnaround times, so you get your cards back even faster. They have crystal clear holders, so your cards shine. And best yet, all starting at just $12 a card. Head to cgccards.com to start grading your cards today. 
And now it's time for Collector's Corner. Let's hear from our collector this week. This segment is sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and cataloging your cards. Buy or sell cards on the marketplace. Turn the hobby into your side hustle today. Well, this week I got to speak with Jeff Owens. I actually spoke to him the other day, actually. And uh, Sports Collectors Digest is celebrating 50 years. Their 50th anniversary, Jeff is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. He's been on the job a couple of years now, and I think he's been a great addition to the magazine and uh, to the show. I love having Jeff on. He he has great opinions. He has uh, great insight into what's going on. Uh, we spent some time with Jeff at the National last year when Drew was there with him, and we also did spend some time with him this year at the National. And Drew, uh, Jeff is is, uh, is a good addition to our our, our hobby, and, and I think he's done great things with Sports Collectors Digest. So uh, please enjoy my interview with Jeff Owens from Sports Collectors Digest, and uh, it's cool to look back at 50 years of Sports Collectors Digest. Uh, here's our interview. All right, guys, we have a very special guest today. We have the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. They are the voice of the hobby. That's their uh, tagline, and I hate it because I wish I had it. <laughs> I'm talking, of course, Jeff Owens, who is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. They are uh, celebrating their 50th year this year, and we're going to talk a little, look back at the last 50 years of collecting with Jeff and actually talk um, some fanatics and Panini and uh Kind of look, maybe do a little look ahead, talk some national stuff. So welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Jeff, was it fun for you and your staff to go back and look through um, old issues of, of the magazine and, you know, look at look back into the, the 70s and, and uh, kind of before we had that, the, the, the initial blip of the uh, the 80s, like the mid to late 80s, right? It must have been fun to look back at uh kind of our hobby in its uh, formative stage. Yeah, it really was, Jeff. It was fascinating to go back and look at all of that, to flip through the old issues and uh, just look at the history, not only the history of the publication, but the history of the hobby. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I learned so much putting this issue together. Uh, you know, we, you and I have talked several times, and I think I told you from the beginning that uh, – you know, I collected as a kid and then got away from it for a little bit. And, and becoming editor of the magazine was kind of my foray back into the hobby. And uh, man, I just learned so much about the history of the hobby in putting this special issue together. You know, back in the 70s, um, you know, if you were a collector back in those days, uh, everybody kind of knew who Sports Collectors Digest was. You, you'd yep. go to your newsstand or the grocery store or the drugstore, and you'd see copies of it there. And uh, we also did special issues back then, price guides and things like that. And you would always see them available on the newsstands, and people would pick them up. And it's just hard to believe that it's we're still here 50 years later, which, uh, you know, uh, I, I think our, our longtime uh, friend and collector, uh, Rich Klein probably said it best at the national. He said, uh, you know, the fact that you guys are still around 50 years later is a testament, uh, not only to the, to the publication and the, the company and the people that have, have, have worked there. And, and of course it's changed hands and ownership a few years, but it's a testament to the hobby, uh, and, and how the hobby has grown and survived and, and really thrived over the past 50 years. Uh, that a print magazine like that could still be around 50 years later because, you know, we know the world has changed greatly in the past couple of decades. And, uh, 
you know, print magazines aren't really a thing anymore. There, a lot of them have gone by the wayside, and we're going to see more of them disappear, sadly, over the next several years. But I know. I'm an ink guy, Jeff. I love newspapers. I love magazines. I love holding them in my hand. I just, it, yeah, it's a absolutely. shame. I'm, yeah, a absolutely. I'm a newspaper guy from the get-go. When I was, a, I used to get uh, four or five newspapers every day. Yeah. And yeah. I, I now I have I can't remember the last time I bought a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I read it every single day. And uh, you know, an interesting side story, uh back in the late 80s, early 90s, my parents moved up north to where you are and they lived in uh, Attleboro, Attleboro for a yep. while up there. And when I would go visit them, uh they lived in Connecticut for a while as well, and when I would go visit them, I would collect newspapers the whole way and I would come back uh, to the Carolinas with a trunk full of newspapers. Yep, the Globe, uh, the Post, the, Wa uh, yeah. the Washington paper, the Philadelphia Inquirer, yeah. all yeah. great papers. The Boston Herald, the Boston Globe, they're all great papers. Yeah, down and, and the seacoast. Sea sure, you know I loved them, and uh, you know, and magazines were the same. We got magazines when we were a kid. We got Sports Illustrated and Sporting News and the old sport magazine and baseball digest. And uh, if you were a collector and you were in the hobby, sports collectors digest was one of those. And it was the first one that came along. And, and of course, Beckett came on uh, uh, several years later and those became the two premier print magazines in the hobby. And, uh, and they're both still around, which I think is very, very cool. But uh, I just learned so much about not only the, the, the founding and the history of the, the publication, we had a great story in this issue by George Vrichek, uh, a collector from out in California, who's been writing for Sports Collectors Digest for 37 years. Wow. Um, and he has a great connection with all the old time hobbyists from way back in the early days. And he's done several pieces in the magazine about the hobby in the thirties and the forties and the fifties. Um, and he knew the Stoneman family that started sports collectors digest. He contacted their sons and did a great story on the family that started the publication. Uh, he had great quotes from, from uh, collectors and dealers from way back in the day about, you know, how, seeing the publication for the first time. And then we had just other great stories. You know, I went around the national and I talked to people who were subscribers. Um, I would sort of let them come to me. You know, you, you and I talked several times yep. at the national and, and the whole week I wore my sports collectors digest hat. Well, it's good promotion, but the reason I did that is to attract people's attention and particularly readers in the magazine. So I kind of let them find me and come to me. And then I collected these great stories from people who have been subscribers for 30, 40, 50 years. So we did a piece on that and, and that was great. Uh, we had a column in there from T.S. O'Connell, who was an editor of the magazine for a long, long time back in the uh, 80s and 90s uh, in early 2000s. And, uh, you know, the thing I took away from it is back in the early days when sports collectors digest first came along, you know, things were much different in the hobby back then. Uh, oh, sure. there was no internet. Uh, there was, you know, no, that, you know, card shows were just getting started and the way people found each other, the way collectors found cards and dealers and the way dealers found collectors to sell to was through magazines like sports collectors digest. You know, collectors would go through the magazine, look at the ads, see the cards they wanted to buy, and then they would have to pick up the phone and call those dealers. 
Yeah, remember uh, the the Larry Fritch um, ads and the Kip Young ads and those. Yeah, I mean, those yeah. were the guys, right? Right, and those guys are still in the magazine yep. all these years later. I mean, one of the things I love about Sports Collectors Digest, if you pick it up and you flip through it, it's kind of like a throwback to the seventies. Uh, those ads, some of those ads from guys like Kit Young and, and um, uh, Kevin Savage and guys like that, their ads kind of look just like they did back in the 70s and 80s. Yep. And I think that's really cool. It, you get a dose of nostalgia just flipping through it. Um, but but a lot of those guys, we talked to a lot of those old dealers too, and they told the story about, you know, that's how they started their business by running ads in Sports Collectors Digest and collectors would see them and they would call them up and they'd sell them cards and they'd ship them in the mail and it'd take two or three weeks to get there. Um, and, and to hear those guys compare that era of card collecting to what we have now with Facebook and Instagram and instant sales on the internet and auction houses and marketplaces and all that yeah. to compare the two eras is fascinating. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like uh, the automobile replacing the train or something, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a fascinating walk through the history of the hobby. Uh, and I hope that's what readers of this special issue enjoy about it. You know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but we're, we're, you know, when you look back at 50 years, 50 years of collecting, um, what do you think is the most one uh, factor that's changed uh, in terms of collecting from uh, 1973 to today that has kind of spurred the growth of, of the hobby as a whole? Do you think there's one thing that, that's really um, affected collectors uh, from the novice to, to the uh, experienced collector? Well, I, you know, I think the big thing is, and it's kind of, you know, a reflection of society as a whole, it, it is the growth of, of the internet and, and online transactions. I mean, you can buy something you want instantly now and have it in your hands a day later right uh, i mean think of, can you think of a, a world without ebay and without amazon you no, know what i mean it's no, no. in our and world then, you can't yeah and, and that's what that's what this issue of sports collectors digest this 50 year issue is all about it's taking you back to the days when the internet and, and all of that didn't exist. We didn't have marketplaces and so we didn't have eBay. We didn't have social media accounts and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, just like everything else, I, I think the advancements in technology has really changed the hobby a great deal. And it's brought more people into it. I mean, if you think back to the 70s and even beyond that, it took a tremendous amount of patience and determination and commitment to be a collector. Yep. Because you couldn't just walk into a store and buy your cards. You know, there there were a few card shops here and there, and, and card shows were just beginning to catch on. Uh, but you had to go to a lot of hard work to find a card that you really wanted. And you had to wait for weeks to get it. And you probably sat there on pins and needles wondering if it was even going to show up, yep. you know. Uh, we had we had a great card store here in the Boston area. I don't know if you remember. They're not in uh, in business anymore. But Halls of Nostalgia in Arlington. I don't remember if you remember that name. That was a they were a big player in in the uh, card uh, world, and they were one of the first real card stores. I remember going as you know a eight or nine year old kid, just going there with my eyes wide <laughs> wide open, like oh my god, there's a card store, you know. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the guys I talked to at the national, and this is, uh, I wrote about this in the magazine. This was a, a great story. Uh, I just, you know, just 
fate sort of kept putting me together with, with subscribers and uh, you know, maybe it was them recognizing the hat or whatever, but I ran across such great stories and uh, I had a couple of people I talked to got emotional talking about it because uh, the hobby meant so much to them and sports collectors digest had been a part of that. But I talked to this one guy, you know, at the end of the show, I was flying back on Sunday. So Saturday about five o'clock, I went into the VIP, VIP room to sit down and go through my notes and just kind of get settled and pack up and ready to head home. And I just happened to sit down at the table and this guy started talking to me and he told me he had been reading Sports Collector's Digest since he was nine or 10 years old. Uh, the guy was Dale Anderson from Minneapolis. And he told me how, you know, his dad would buy, bring him the magazine and he would flip through it and identify cards that he wanted. And then he would get on his bicycle and he would ride down to the card shop and try to find those cards. And <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and because of that, you know, I mean, he got a little emotional talking about it too. And, and because of that, he kept every issue of Sports Collector's Digest that he ever had. Oh, wow. And he has every one of them dating back to the, to the mid 80s. Do you guys have a, a copy of everyone? Do you have a, a we do we've got uh, we've got some um we've got some in a warehouse back in Wisconsin. Uh we do have copies of every issue. They're uh they're kind of hard to get a hold of these days. Uh, I have every digital copy dating back to 2008. Uh but going all back all the way back to 73, we do have some of them. Um, I was amazed at how many old issues I found online. If you go to eBay and search, uh, you can find the very first issue of Sports Collectors Digest. That's very cool. What are they? What are they going for? Uh, some of them are going for several hundred dollars. Wow! Uh, surprisingly, yeah, some of them are as much as five hundred bucks, depending on who's on the cover and right. that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was just a fascinating walk through history for me to put this together. And um, I really hope that uh, readers uh, enjoy it and love it. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll get they'll get something out of it as well. What do you, what do you think of the three uh, most iconic cards that have been made since 1973 to today? Oh, boy. Uh, since 73. That is a great question. Uh, the most they, they went right I, the, the two of them were, were right on the tip of my tongue i had no problem figuring out the third one in my mind might be controversial but i think it's still a, a pretty good card but i, I want to i want to hear your 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 take on it first boy um wow that is a great question and i'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank you want me to help you uh go ahead all right, so first is the 89 Ken Griffey rookie upper deck Absolutely. rookie card. Absolutely. That's the, I think that's the most iconic card that we've had in the last 50 years. Well, and you got to go with the Jordan and 86. Jordan, right. The Jordan is the other one. Yeah. Those, those, were, those two were easy. The third one, it's a little quirky, but I think it has a distinction of being breaking out of just for collectors. And I'm going to say the Billy Ripken FF. Yeah, the, yeah. The swear, swear card. I think that, that got a lot of that got a lot of attention just because of what was on the bat knob. Sure. Yeah, so uh, those are kind of my three big cards from the the last fifty years. I, you know, I, I'm sure that somebody else can throw in another card in there, yeah. but I think those are my three cards. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Uh, looking back, you know, uh, 
Yeah, that's probably up there. You look at some of the great rookie cards. The Mike Schmidt rookie card was great. And uh, the other one of the other pieces that we put in the magazine to go along with our 50th anniversary is we took a look, uh, took a look at the 1973 Tops baseball set. Uh, oh, you love that set? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to recreate I just, I that love it. it. Um, but one of the cards that stood out to me in that set, and I, and I don't have this card yet, and I need to get it, um, they did a special, uh, card of the all-time home run leaders at the time. Yeah. Card number Babe one. Ruth. Yeah. Card number one. It had Babe Ruth, uh, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. <clears throat> and then of course, you know, that year Hank Aaron was chasing the record. He came up one short and he got it in April of 1974. But, uh, that card also stood out to me as probably one of the most iconic of the last 50 years. I think just being number one in that set and, uh, just kind of what it means, you know. Yeah, we have Clemente's last card in that that Clemente's set as well. Last card. There's there so were many great in-action photos in that set. The, right. It was one of the first years that they really included a lot of in-action photos, and it's it's just a fabulous set. Yeah, we ran some of those in-action cards, the one of Pat Corrales sliding in the home. Yeah, we just lost Pat. Pat just passed yeah, away. exactly. Jim ago. Palmer in pitching and Harmon Killebrew at bat and stuff like that, and uh yeah, that was, you know, wasn't probably the greatest uh, visual set in history, um, but it was a really cool set, and uh, it, it just meant something, and uh, and it played a, a role in our history from 1973, so uh, it was kind of neat to feature that story in the magazine as well. Well, when is the uh, issue coming out, the, the anniversary issue coming out? How do people get a hold of it if they're not regular subscribers? Yeah, it's out now. Uh, it should be arriving in subscriber mailboxes any day now. Um, if you're not a subscriber, the best thing to do is go to our website, uh, go to our eShop, and we will have uh, digital copies there available for pretty cheap. I think it's maybe $4.99 or something like that. So you can get a copy of those. Um you can also call our customer service department. Uh, that's in the magazine and on the website. I uh, don't have that number at my hands right now, but uh, it's possible they may have some single copies available. We did print some extra. Uh, we aren't going to have a ton of them available for single copy purchase, but there are some out there. And, uh, and of course, the digital issue, we got, you know, as many of that as many of those as you want. So uh, you can get it that way as well. And we will be uh, celebrating the 50th on our website as well. Uh, so you'll be able to see some of the content um, uh, on the website over the next three or four weeks. Guys, you can go to sportscollectorsdigest.com. Uh, you can also sign up for their free uh, newsletter, e-newsletter, which is fabulous. Check it out. Also, um, it is, you know, they do a great job of cover, covering what's going on today as well. And we've had a lot of, uh, I don't know, news lately. Our hobby is making a lot of news with all this stuff with Fanatics and Panini and the NFL Players Association. How do you see all this playing out? And uh, can the collector win in the in this fight between these two uh, giant uh, people in our hobby? Yeah. Yeah. This is a fascinating case, Jeff. Um, and it's going to straight, it's going to, it's going to draw out for a few years, I'm afraid. Uh, and I it's think so be too. A, a drama and a legal drama that we're going to be following for a few years now. Um, can the collector win? 
I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it's going to hurt us a little bit for a while, and uh, and we'll just have to see how it all plays out. I am not surprised that someone <clears throat> stepped up and filed an antitrust lawsuit. Uh, yep. When fanatics first stepped into the into the uh, hobby, and and let me say this, you know, I don't have anything at all against fanatics. I think they've been great to work with so far. And I do believe they'll have a, a very positive impact on the hobby. But when they first stepped in and they acquired the licenses for all three professional sports, that's the first question a lot of people had. How is this not an anti, how is this not a monopoly? And how is this not an antitrust violation? And it took Panini, uh, you know, to come forth and file a lawsuit uh, to, to put that out there. And, and we'll see how it plays out. Um in I know, but just I mean, logically, if you look at it, it is. It, it, it is, is a monopoly. It is a monopoly. Now, it, is it any different than what Topps did in the 70s? Not really. No, not really. Um, right? Yeah. It, it, that, and, but there's just I, more money involved now. Exactly. There is. There is. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the courts rule on this. Uh, and it's also going to be interesting to see if the federal government gets involved. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation about that. Um, I think they will, don't you? I think they will at some point. I think, I think they're going to have to. Yeah, I think, I think they'll to. let it play out in the courts and see what happens. And, uh, and of course, you know, the government's got bigger fish to fry right now with all that's going on there. But I think at some point, maybe two or three years down the road, they may have to get involved and settle this one way or the other. Uh, what was really fascinating is how all this came about. As it turns out, Fanatics tried to buy Panini. Uh, that didn't work. Those negotiations fell apart, and then they tried to basically purchase their licensing agreement and, and basically pay them an out fee to take over the football and basketball licensing. That fell through as well, and that's what led Panini to file the suit. But what was really interesting is that Fanatics immediately came back within three days, I think it was, which tells you they were prepared for this. Oh, they yeah. came back and fired a countersuit. And boy, the language in that thing is just unbelievable. Um, I, I would encourage readers, if you haven't, you know, get a hold of the lawsuit and take a look at it or go to our website and read some of the stories there. But the language that Fanini, uh, that Fanatics came back and attacked Panini with is extremely strong. Um, and it sort of makes you wonder if Panini is going to have the leverage to follow through on this lawsuit, because there's some pretty strong allegations toward Panini as well. Right. And then they just lost that $25, $25 million uh, copyright infringement exactly. that they settled on. And that's, um, that's not mean, a small could, chunk of change. Yeah. And then we have the NFL Players Association. I know, just jumping in, which that right. does, that doesn't seem right. I, that can't that can't be right. I I mean we're not we don't have the copies of the contracts in front of us, but it just doesn't from a gut it doesn't seem right that they can just pull their contract at at their whim. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It doesn't seem fair. It tells me that they were kind of in in cahoots with fanatics to begin with, but it also tells me that they maybe also were pretty alarmed at some of the allegations that fanatics made in their own lawsuit. Um, it's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, Panini, I think, has got a tough uphill battle. Even though they may have a good case on the monopoly, monopoly antitrust charges, I think they've got a really 
tough uphill battle to make that stick uh, because of some of the things that they've been through, allegedly. Right. And, and you know, that's very hard to prove in court. Very There's very few instances when the court has sided with the um the the plaintiff so to speak and that, and that proving that they're they're uh fighting against monopoly that's been hard to hard to win it is it is and th and that's the, we've seen that play out in a lot of other sports and it's been very difficult to win you're right and you know fanatics fanatics <laughs> i keep mixing those words up fanatics probably has way more money and way more lawyers uh they've got a massive legal team yeah uh, and they're going to throw everything they got i mean they have invested billions into this hobby and they're not going to sit by and, and allow something like this to break up their business i don't think so they're going to throw everything they've got at it and they probably have more resources uh to win this thing i would think so the unfortunate part is it is that unless there's a, a settlement or Unless it's dismiss, dismissed by a judge, and Fanatics has already filed that motion to have it dismissed, right. we'll see what happens there. If those two things don't happen, this could drag out in the courts for three or four years and serve as just a black cloud over the hobby. Right. And then and then in three or four years, it becomes a moot point because then the con the contracts and the rights fees transfer over, transfer over to Fanatics anyway. Right. And you have to ask yourself as a collector, how is this going to impact Panini's ability to continue uh, to produce good looking, valuable cards while they're having to spend all this money in this legal battle? Right. Uh, and are they, they going to flood the market and all of a sudden prism and mosaic cards are everywhere, you know, and, and it, it's 1988 again, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I think it could. It absolutely. You asked this question at the top of the conversation. I think it absolutely could have a very negative impact on the hobby while we're fighting this legal battle. Um, the best thing for the hobby is for it to be settled at some point because Panini can't win this. I mean, they're 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 going to lose the licensing anyway, and they're done in a couple of years. They're not going to win this. You know, they they might. You know, I I just don't see any way they can win it, and uh, and that could have you know the best thing for the hobby and the collectors is for us to put this behind us and move on and let fanatics do their business. Now, you know, if they if the courts or the government does determine, you know, that they do have a a monopoly and it's an antitrust violation, then we got to deal with that and see what happens. You know, do they lose those licensing then after that, and and does you know what does that mean so that this could this could have a very dramatic effect on the hobby for years to come no question about it yeah i mean it would be really nice honestly if uh panini cashes out some way how they they keep the brands alive in terms of the the prism and the mosaic and some of the other great brands that uh panini has including donruss um and let the ton donruss optic and let kind of fanatics cherry pick and have the best of both worlds so that the collector gets the top four or five brands from fanatics the top four or five brands from panini and it, right. you know and then we all get uh great cards and great inserts and uh you know the uh the autographs are we have access to all these autograph guys that instead of panini but getting uh arch manning and fanatics getting you know harry kane and whatever it is it's right. just right. just have it uh be open so that the the collector's uh, can get great cards and, and have access to great 
autographs. I think that's how we win, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the best thing for, for everybody is for this to be settled in some manner uh, and for it to right. shake fairly quickly. Yeah, fairly quickly. If it drags along and, and, you know, then the hobby doesn't win. So hopefully both sides can come to an agreement. They can settle this thing. Um, the way it probably, the only way it can probably get settled is for, is for fanatics to, to basically buy Panini or, or pay them off or, or purchase the licensing or however that shakes out um, and make the whole thing go away. And then we move on down the road. That That's probably the best scenario. Um, if they're tied up in court for years, nobody wins. No one wins, I know. Guys, we're talking with Jeff Owens. Jeff Owens is editor of Sports Collectors Digest. They are celebrating their 50th year. Uh, 1973, they started. They've got a special anniversary, 50th anniversary issue that's out now. Make sure you check it out. You can go to sportscollectorsdigest.com. Jeff, one of the things that you guys have done a great job, I think better than anyone, honestly, is covering all the um, forgery and, uh, I, I know, autograph stuff that's been going on uh you know that the feds have been taking place and, and closing up people that have been um selling and dealing in forged autographs i think you guys have done a great job um uh, being on top of that yeah we've tried to do that um you know it's becoming more, more and more difficult because there's so many cases out there i know uh, keep cropping up and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and uh you know we did a nice investigative piece on it two or three years ago that kind of made an impact and um you know uh it's just unfortunate this this kind of stuff keeps cropping up and um you know, I know the FBI has a special division that they're working, you know, trying to bust some of these cases and they have cracked quite a few here in the past uh, year or so. And, um, you know, they keep chasing after those guys. And um, it's just very unfortunate that we have to deal with all this. This is the kind of news that you don't like covering. It, it's the dark side of the hobby. Right. But it is important. I think it's very important. To... Oh, it is. You, you got to weed this stuff out. You got to expose it and you got to get rid of it. And, um, you know, that's one of the uh, downsides to the big, the boom that we went through for two or three years that, you know, uh, it brought a lot of new collectors into the hobby. It brought, brought a lot of investors in. Um, unfortunately, it also brought in the seedier element and uh, the people looking to, you uh, you know, take advantage of it. And um, so we try our best to stay on top of that when we can and uh, and cover uh, as much of it as we can. And by exposing it and um, letting people know about it, you know, maybe uh, maybe it does put a stop to some of it. So we hope to keep keep doing that. Yeah, I know you guys do a great job. We had some news from uh, on the national front. The uh, 2026 national is going to be in Chicago. And I, I applaud them for choosing Chicago because, I know Atlanta has had some tough times when they've hosted the the show. I've been to the one in Atlantic City. You were in Atlantic City, and that was a travesty. I I hadn't been to Atlantic City in 30 years, Jeff, and I was so uh, disappointed that what has happened to Atlantic City in terms of safety and in terms of uh, just, I don't know, you know, going to use, you know, going out to a restaurant was, was an ordeal in Atlantic City. So I'm glad they didn't stay with Atlantic City. Um, we have a, a new promoter, right, tied in with the National that's going to start this year. Um, do you think the National is, is still going to be the show for our hobby and uh, is, is going to be healthy moving forward? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so. Everybody seems to be uh, pretty confident 
and happy with the new guys that are coming in. And um, this is a group of guys who have been promoters for years uh, at, at some of the bigger shows around the country. Uh, the Philly card show, which is coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, the white plains show in New York and, and Chant Chantilly and Chantilly, right. They have, they're in Chantilly right. as well. Yeah. These three guys, uh, they kind of, they've been promoting these big shows around the country and they sort of came together and formed a little corporation and, and they got the contract to run the national uh, beginning next year. And um, yeah, I think everybody is confident in their ability to continue to put on a good show. Um, but I think they also have a lot of work to do. I, I think they've got to uh, modernize the show a little bit. You know, the hobby is growing. It has much more of a corporate presence these days uh, with fanatics and some of the other big companies that have come in. Uh, so you got to find a place for them. And uh, I do think we'll see some changes. Uh, I too, you know, I'm, I, I had kind of mixed reactions about going back to Chicago. I, I love the venue. I think it's the best venue the national goes to. There's no question. I about agree. That. And like you, I, I did not have a good experience in Atlantic city. I did not like that. I'm glad we're not going back there. I hope we never go back there again. Um, by the same token, I kind of would like to see it move around a little bit more. Um, I do know that's a challenge, you know, finding a building that size to host the national is always the big challenge. Um, but one right, thing and, and who wants to go to Phoenix or Vegas in the middle of, the yeah, end of July, right? Yeah. It, it's a much, much more difficult decision than you and I or anybody else probably understands because, you know, there's a lot of factors, you know, there's a lot of cities you don't want to go to, uh, because of what's going on with crime and stuff like that. Um, you know, and then you got to find the right building in the right location at the right time of year. So it's very, very difficult. Um, I do like going back to Chicago. I don't really like us going there back to back years, um, yeah. which will happen in 25 and 26. Uh, that was the only big problem with it. I, I felt like, you know, let's use that as an opportunity to try somewhere new. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, one of the, one of the quotes we had in our story uh, that I think sums it up pretty well came from uh, Joe Orlando uh, who works at heritage auctions now and, was with PSA for years. And, and he basically said, look, everybody loves going to Chicago. So why not just make it the permanent location of the national? Um, and if we're going to do this, if we're going to go there every other year and, and in back-to-back -back years, why not even consider doing that? You know, why not just scrap the whole idea of, of taking it somewhere different and just make Chicago and Rosemont the official destination of the national and just have it there every year. Um, I think that's something that this, these new um, management team and the board that they've got to decide, you know, are, are what are we going to do? You know, are we going to, do we make Chicago the official place of it or do we keep moving it around and try new places? We go to Cleveland next year and I'm excited about that. Um, that's a new venue. And I, I, I would kind of like to see it move around a little bit more, but I do realize that's a big challenge. So, yeah, I agree. As a collector and a show attendee, I would like to see it move around. But, you know, you can't go wrong with Chicago in terms of, you know, I've been to, I don't know, seven or eight na nationals now. Um, and, you know, would I like it to go, go back into L.A. or Anaheim or even uh, San Francisco? I think the West Coast has has a place now you right. know, for, to have a national out there. And I like I like moving around. I like the that concept. But. You know, Chicago's a safe bet, right? 
Right, exactly. You know, the restaurants are great. The locale's great. It's right next to the airport. Everything's there. Yeah. Uh, It's almost a perfect location. Yeah. Logistically and, uh, you know, and and there's there's more things to look at in in the world today when you you go to a a new city. I mean, you got to take into a, a, a factor, you know, transportation, getting around, prices of hotels, the safety factor. And, and, and right. I mean, I mentioned San Francisco and San Francisco is a lot different city now than it was 20 years ago. It was. It was. And, um, I, you know, I'm not sure you'd want to go there now. Right. Uh, New York City is becoming that way, too. I mean, they're having their problems again. Uh, you know, I don't know that if there's a facility in New York City, uh, but I don't think I'd want to go there right now. Um, I, I, I agree. Sure and I sure as heck don't want to go back to Atlantic City. Um, so, I, I, you know, I guess the point is that we'd all love for the venue to change every year and go somewhere different. Um, but that's more difficult than it sounds. Um, it, it's not that easy to find that perfect place. And you already kind of have it in Chicago. So maybe that's something they consider. Is, right. Is, it, it's above point. our pay grade, right, Jeff? <laughs> it is. It is. And I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Me, the other me thing too. that was really interesting is that they had over 300 dealers vote on this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's a great way to do it. That's the most people who've ever vote voted on the, the location of the national ever. I mean, there were well over 300 people that voted. Um, Chicago was pretty much overwhelming. Atlantic city did get a lot of votes. I think they got, yeah, but we know why, right? Exactly. They were offering money to the dealers. They bribed, they bribed, they bribed whatever, whatever percentage. They were basically bribing the dealers. Uh, they were, uh, they were front about it and it wasn't like the, it wasn't, no, it wasn't uh, a secret. I under, mean, underhanded. Everyone knew what was going on. Yeah. I mean, but, they offered them anywhere from a thousand to a few thousand dollars that they were going to give them up front to come back to Atlantic city. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of people went for that. Um, and that may not be the only reason they voted for it. You know, the, the, you know, the, the attraction that Atlantic city does have is that it's on the East coast. Um, right. For a lot of deals, you just tr- you, you throw everything in a, in a U-Haul and you're exactly, you're right, you're right there. Yeah, so. If you're an East coast dealer, it makes sense to go somewhere on the East coast. Um, to me, that's the only redeeming quality Atlantic city has. Um, and you know, even the money they were throwing around, which is which is such an Atlantic City thing to do to try to bribe your way into hosting this event, right? Uh, and, and you're not going to put it in Baltimore. You're not going to put it in Philadelphia. Boston's not big enough. You yeah. can't do it in New York City. is too expensive. You can't do it in New York City, really. Right. So where else are you going to go, right? There's no other options on the East Coast, and um, you may run into the same thing in, in the West Coast. If you go out there, you got to find the right city and the right building. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you went to the one in Anaheim. I went to that. The show, that was back in the, I think the '90s, maybe or the 2000s, yeah. maybe 2000s, and it was good. I liked Anaheim. Anaheim yeah. was, was a nice locale. I have been out there several times, uh, not to not to the national, uh, but when I was covering NASCAR, we used to go to Anaheim and Southern California every year, uh, and it's a nice area. Uh, it's a nice area without having to go to L.A., right? Um, you know, and deal with that traffic and and getting around out there. So Anaheim does seem like a great location to me if the building is big enough. Um, I'd still like to see it come south at some point. Um, Atlanta did not get a whole lot of, votes. I know can Tennessee is can Nashville or, or, um, is there, you know, is there, um, 
uh, not, not in Atlanta. You know yeah, what I mean? Is I've heard uh, I've heard Nashville, Raleigh or yeah, Charlotte. I don't think has a build, building big enough. Uh, I'm not sure about Nashville, but I know Nashville came up, and I know Nashville is a city that has been talked about uh, a lot. I think if they have a building that size, I think that would be a good location. Yeah, I think that would be a fun place because you have you, yeah, have, all the, you have that main street there where all the bars are and all the restaurants exactly. are, and it's so, yeah. you know you don't you necessarily need a car in Nashville. Yeah, it's a great town, a lot of things to do there, um, great city, and it's not necessarily just in the south. It, it's still somewhat centrally located. I mean, it is a southern state, but. Um, you know, it's not that far from from other places. Right, you know, and you get a flight. Indiana, you get a Ohio. flight directly to Nashville from most places. Too. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it's become a huge city now, and uh, I think that'd be a great place to give it a try. Um, and maybe there's some other cities in in the Midwest that you know might be a good location as well. But uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting story to watch over the coming years is where that national goes, and also how the show changes. Um, you know, we heard they heard the news last year that Fanatics is jumping into the, yep, the card show gonna game. Very well, interesting. Yeah, and we uh we were fortunate enough to sort of corner Michael Rubin at the National, and we got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and and we asked him that question, and he talked about you know maybe doing shows that are a little bit different than what we perceive as a traditional card show. Uh, and, and having big events that are more like a fan fest, uh, more like a major league uh, baseball all-star game fan fest mm -hmm. or the NFL Super Bowl fan fest where, you know, it's not just dealers selling cars, but there's a lot of other attractions and interactive things for kids and other people. Uh, so I think that's where, you know, fanatics will probably go with their shows um, but it's going to be interesting if they come in and, and, and create big shows like that. How is that going to impact the national, the traditional national, right? Some of these other big card shows around the country. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they do with theirs as well. But I do think the national is, is, is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And, uh, but I do think it's going to evolve and it's probably even going to get bigger and better. Jeff, one last question. I'll let you go. We've kind of gone over, but there's so much stuff to talk about with you. Again, congratulations. Sports Collectors Digest is celebrating their 50th year. Uh, they started in 1973. There's a 50th anniversary issue that is out. You can go check it out. Uh, go to sportscollectorsdigest.com. If you're not a subscriber, if you want to just buy this issue, you can also sign up for their free newsletter talking with Jeff Owens, who is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. And Jeff, I guess, you know, you, you, you've been in the job for a couple of years now. What do you see uh, changing in, in Sports Collectors Digest uh, moving forward for the rest of the year and into 2024? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're always trying to, uh, it's always a balancing act. You're, you're trying to, to change and sort of cater a little bit as much as you can to the new collector, the younger collectors and try to, uh, you know, attract that audience to your product while also, you know, right, servicing your current been for 50 years and, and keeping that, you know, I think we'll continue to, um, cover the news of the hobby a little bit, uh, the trends and the developments and the, and the changes in the hobby. I, I think we'll stay on top of that. And I think you'll see a little bit more of that going forward. Um, but we also, you know, want to stick with our core too. And that's, you know, stories about cards and stories about collectors, you know, that's our core and that's our bread and butter. Um, 
but I think we also have to, uh, you know, stay on top of what's going on now, you know, cover, cover these lawsuits and cover yeah. the fanatics and the, I know. did you ever think you had to be a lawyer to be covering baseball I, cards? I did not, you know, I did not expect, um, to be covering some of the stuff that we cover when I took this job. Um, and I enjoy that, you know, every, every magazine I've run, that's sort of the way it's been, you know, you try to, you try to keep doing what you've done, you know, to build your audience and give your current readers what they've come to, to enjoy over the years, but you got to stay on top of the changes in the hobby as well. Uh, and that's been the fascinating part for me. I mean, I came in right when this thing was booming and the, and the industry was taking off and, and we went from, you know, covering cards and collectors to a lot of trendy news in the hobby, you know, record cards and um, fanatics coming in and tops being sold and, and all of these things that are going on. So I think we've got to stay on top of all of that stuff. So I think you'll, you'll see a little bit more of that, but uh, we'll always continue uh, to feature the stuff we love. And, and that's the cards and the memorabilia and collectors telling their stories. And, and that, that is one thing that I want to uh, do more of is tell stories about collectors. Uh, yeah. One of the most popular things that we've launched this year, and this has a big presence in the 50th anniversary issue is uh, we brought back a, you know, a standard of, of magazines for years. And, and that's, uh, you know, a letter sections where collectors can write in and tell their story or, ask questions or just engage with each other. And uh, so we're going to continue to try to bring that back a little bit too. And, and I think that's been uh, very popular. You know, it's an old thing that's been that newspapers and magazines did for years, but it, you know, it stands the test of time. You know, people love having their say and commenting on the hobby and, uh, and, and it makes them feel like they're part of it. And uh, we want to continue to do that as well. All right, Jeff, thank you. Jeff Owens from Sports Collectors Digest. Check them out, sportscollectorsdigest.com. You can sign up for their free newsletter, e-newsletter. They also are celebrating their 50th uh, anniversary, which they started in 1973, and it's 2023. So, yep, that's 50. My 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 fifth grade math, it works. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to count that a few times myself, Jeff. All right, my friend, congratulations and wishing you guys another 50 great years and uh Never a dull moment. If you if it happens in the, in the hobby, you can check it out at Sports Talk to Just Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having us on. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. Be good. All right, man. Thanks. Bye. Do any of you list your cards for sale on eBay? I've recently signed up with a software by the name of Card Dealer Pro. They take pictures of your sports and trading cards and use artificial intelligence to write the title, description, and upload to eBay. Now, I've gone from the ability to list 10 to 20 cards to 200 to 300 plus with the help of Card Dealer Pro. Go to www.carddealerpro.com to try their software completely free for seven days and get 500 bonus skins by using the promo code TTM500 during signup. Once again, that's TTM500. Use it at signup and get 500 additional bonus scans at www.cardealerpro to list your cards with AI today. True. Did you get uh, Sports Collectors Digest as a kid? Were you a did you were you a subscriber back in the back in the day? I didn't. I checked out every now and then if I saw it, you know, at the newsstand. Bought a few copies here and there, but uh, what's the big subscriber of it at all? But 
really cool to see they've been around that long. Because I mean, anybody, if you mentioned hobby publications, the first thing that comes to mind for most people is Beckett. But yeah, now you've got, you know, Sports, uh, Sports Collectors Digest has been around, what, 11 years longer than Beckett, that would mean. So yep. really cool to see that they've been around that long. Yeah, I was a, I was a uh, a subscriber back in the late seventies and early eighties, and I used I love I used to love the magazine in terms of they had you know it has great ads you know the great yeah. I used to love seeing the ads and the, their stories and they do a great job um, covering you know what's going on in the the the, the hobby as a business as well as um, some exposés on like forgeries in. Uh, and autographs and some other stuff. So if if you're not a subscriber to Sports Collectors Digest, you can basically get everything online now. Uh, and make sure you sign up for their free newsletter. Go to sportscollectorsdigest.com. It's a free newsletter. Do you get it, Drew? Uh, yes, I believe I am on their mailing list. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little piece. So check that out. Jeff Owens, thank you for joining us. And, and again, uh, congratulations on 50 years, which is yep. very exciting. Well, Drew, that wraps up Collector's Corner. Next up, we're going to go in right into Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. It's football season. There's no better time to get your NFL stars, rookies, and veteran cards graded. CGC Cards offers fast turnaround times, so you get your cards back even faster. They have crystal clear holders so your cards shine. And best yet, all starting at just $12 a card. Head to cgccards.com to start creating your cards today. Did you like that one? Yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> we'll show a little emotion. No, get really going. <laughs> exactly. Well, our friends at CGC will soon be grading cards in China, which is kind of exciting for them. They've been uh, having a lot of changes right lately and uh, really beefing up their the company. And it's really cool to see that they're going to be grading um, uh, cards in China, which 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 is neat because it, it really if our hobby is goes inter is international, it's good for everyone, I think. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's a healthy hobby and more people around the world. And I know we have listeners in Australia. We have listeners in France. We have listeners in England. We have listeners all around the world. So um, it's really cool to know that there's a lot of there's a lot of people collecting cards and not just baseball cards, but, you know, the, the gaming cards and all the other kind of Pokemon and all that stuff that's out there. So congratulations to CGC. They're going to be grading cards in China. I mean, it's definitely an emerging sports market right there in China. It's kind of weird to call a country of over a billion people as being an emerging market, but sports, I mean, it's it's just now really getting big there. I mean, you look at like Yao Ming coming into the NBA a number yeah. of years ago. Soccer is really growing over there as well. And so, yeah, it's been really taking off over there and good to see that they're, uh, that CGC is getting involved over there. Yeah, good for them. Congratulations. We'll give them a, we'll give them a round of applause, okay? Yes. Good, good job, CGC. <laughs> All right, we have some grading numbers from our friends at Gemrate. Yeah, we do. From the weekend of September or the week of September 11th through the 18th, three companies up, one with no numbers, unfortunately, but a PSA, a big increase again, back to their normal numbers 313,100 cards that they had go through their offices. SGC, a 29% increase to 27,600. Beckett, 14,500 cards graded. That is a 21% increase. No numbers from CGC, probably because they were, you know, working on stuff with China right there. So uh, hopefully we'll have some numbers from them next week, though. 
Very cool. And you know what? That wraps up our grading numbers. But yeah. would, would, would we be uh, wrong if we didn't have a big three? Would we? Would, would Absolutely. We, Absolutely. So we definitely need that. I, I feel like we wouldn't be giving giving uh, our listeners 100% of our effort. So, guys, next up, the big three. Yes. This week's big three is brought to you by Gemrate.com. Whose cards are hot and whose cards are cold this week? Let's find out from our friends at Gemrate.com. The big three is from our friends at Gemrate. Uh, and we're going to have Ryan from Gemrate on next week, Drew. He's going to do the big three with us. So we've had All him right. a couple times. So he'll give us a break. But this week, it's you and I. where The pressure is on. So there were a lot of cards um, from the 80s spiked this week. We don't know why. So a lot of people were sent submitting cards in from the 80s. Uh, and there were three risers this week were Alejandro Garnacho, who was a soccer player. His rookie 2002 rookie card was up and uh, up 154%. So somebody was sending in a lot of Alejandro Garnacho. I do not know him. Do you know him? I've heard the name. I couldn't tell you anything past that, though. Yeah. Well, his grading was way up this week. Another two two uh, guys from the '80s were up. Mark McGuire, who I think has been up two weeks in a row now, right? He, yeah, I think so. He, he was up seventy three percent, and Bo Jackson was up fifty five percent. So it's nice to see some 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 guys in that from our era, Drew. Mark yes, McGuire and Bo Jackson were up. Mark McGuire's nineteen eighty five tops uh, card, where he's on the USA baseball team, that was up one hundred seventy six percent. So. Um, you know, these those so-called junk air cards, those those cards that people are telling us aren't worth anything. Well, you know what? People are getting them graded. So they must be worth something, right? Yeah, they got I mean, there's something there if you have the right players, basically. And yeah. All right, who's down? Wah wah wah. Who's down? Our big three droppers this week. Uh, Connor McDavid, McJesus with a 40% drop in his uh, grading numbers here this week. Pete Alonzo also down a bit, 44% decrease in his grading numbers. And a little bit of a surprise here, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo down 45% in his uh, grading numbers this week. So no huge drops there. Nobody hitting 50% there quite. But, I mean, three of three big names in their sport at a 40-plus percent drop there is a little bit of a surprise, especially with basketball season just the, around the corner here. Boy, I like Connor, Connor McDavid. I, I like yeah. him as a player. I think he he's the real deal. Uh, Alonzo, I don't know. You know, he he's he's got the power. But this, you know, there's just something missing, you know, like there's some guys that there's just there's something missing in their game. And I don't know what it is. I I don't not like him. I just I'm not. I think that consistent? hand injury, I think that hand injury may be affecting him a bit more this season than was originally let on. Yeah, he I definitely think so affected too. him at the uh, home run contest. There. I mean, I had to pick my home run contest winner and then he just crapped out in the first round. There's like, whoa, OK, so not sure what happened there. But, yeah, I think. I think that hand is bothering him more this year than uh, they're letting on. So it might be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't follow his career. He's not one of the guys that I really follow. You know, I'm not, I'm more of an American League guy than a National League guy. Um, but I see the talent. I see, mm-hmm. I, I can understand why, but maybe because the Mets are going to go in another direction. Maybe aren't going to resign him next year or, or in two years. I think he's going to be a free yeah. agent, if not next year, then the, the following year, right? Right, and they've already got a lot of money put into a lot of people. Cause, I mean, they're number one, they're having to absorb a lot of the contracts there from Scherzer and uh, Verlander. You've got a lot of money put into uh, Lindor at shortstop there. But, yeah. I mean, this team's willing to throw money around all over the place. But, 
they may also look and say, well, we think we can do better at first base and let him go. So I don't who know. They, they brought in somebody to run the team, right? There's a new guy that's running the team. Yeah, and I can't. Th- I, I can't f- remember. I forget, the name I, now, I forget but, who it is yeah. off the top of my head, but um, I think it's important. Like the Red Sox are going to have to bring in a new GM, and I think it's important. Right. You need that guy. You need the guy to, that at the top that knows what they're doing. And the Mets just haven't had that forever, right? For for a long right. time. And uh, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I've seen the Red Sox get rid of all these guys, and I, and I don't know if it would be right for the Mets to get rid of a guy like Alonzo, who was, you know, he's one of their guys. He, he's a, you know, they drafted him. They've, they, yep. they've, they've uh, nurtured him. I'd hate to see him go, but uh, he is, he was down. And then Giannis down this week. No, I don't know why. Just. Yep. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think this is the Giannis year. Honestly, I think they, I think they might win the championship this year. I could see that. I, I, I mean, I shouldn't like that considering they're in the same division as the Cavs there, but. I wouldn't hate it either. I mean, the guy is a great player there. It's a small market team, and I love seeing small market teams do well. So, yeah, I'll just, I mean, it's one to keep an eye on. I think it was just a temporary blip there in that uh, drop. Yeah, well, I think the pay- the Celtics are going to be down this year, and I think the 76ers are going to be down this year. So, yeah. um, you know, may- Chicago might be a little better. Uh, Cleveland is they're, – they're a good team. They're a good scrappy team, but I don't know if they have enough um, – I think Milwaukee might be might this is this is kind of a do or die year for him. I think, I think so. I mean, he has that one championship so far, but a second one I think would really cement his legacy as uh, you know one of the great as possibly the best international player, depending on what happens with the rest of his career. There, but easily at least top five. Right, and you know, there's flukes, right? There's fluke championships. Mm-hmm. It, it, there can be teams that you know, find lightning in a bottle, they, they don't get hurt, everything, you know, they win all the close games, and uh, it's, you gotta, I think you gotta do it twice to prove, to make it show that you're real, right? right. Remember Detroit, uh, and they got over the hump, and, and Cleveland got over the hump, that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta win that second one to prove that the first one right. wasn't a fluke, right? Yep. All right, bud, well, thank you, that was, uh, that. Our, our big three from our friends at Gemrate, they give it to the, our, this is exclusive statistics. So the only place you're going to find them is here at TTM cast. We're going to Ryan from Gemrate on next week to do the big three. Uh, and we thank the Ryan and the boys at Gemrate for their statistics. We really appreciate it. And we love talking about them every week. I think that closes out making the Drake grade drew next yep. up. We'll do a little stamp of approval. TTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. You want to do the intro? All right. The TTM cast stamp of approval just uh, is something that we just give our two thumbs up to anything from the previous week. You never know what it's going to be out of us. It might be something food related. It might be a TV show. It might be a movie. You never know. It kind of just helps to show that, hey, we're not just a bunch of sports collectibles, guys. We have other stuff that we're interested in. Of course, there are some weeks where our stamp approval is something sports collectibles related as well, but this week is not one of those. No, this week is so, not one of them. First, before we get into the TTM cast stamp approval, what are you watching? Is there any any shows you're watching? Anything new you got into? Uh, we caught the uh, the final uh, parts of the MasterChef season. Jen and I absolutely love watching MasterChef, MasterChef Junior, uh, Next Level Chef was another one we watched. Any of the Gordon Ramsay uh, contest shows have always been really fun to watch. Yeah, Hell's so Kitchen. Do you like Hell's Kitchen? We haven't watched Hell's Kitchen at all, but we might check it out this season the way some of the previews have looked. So, yeah, yeah, we, my my son loves Hell's Kitchen. We're, we're we and we we just we've been into this new um the Star Wars show on we're on Disney Plus. The I forget what it's called, but it's good. 
Yeah. It's it's very good, but um I'm always looking for new shows, so we're we'll we'll start we'll we'll get we'll, we digress, right? We're not going to digress, exactly. digress with stuff. Why don't you give yours and then I'll do mine, all right, pal? All right, my two thumb, my uh, stamp, my TTM cast stamp approval this week is my new computer that I have finally gotten going with. I was uh, trying to think. I use it for recording Tuesdays, uh, Wednesday's show, but uh, yeah, just got this in last week. Got it in on uh, Friday. Had just enough time to kind of set, start setting it up before I had to go to the Pearl Jam show there, but. Finally got everything up and rolling on here. It is so much better than what I've been using previously. So my last computer I had bought, I think, in 2019. And from what I was seeing online, it says, yeah, usually a laptop will last you know, three to four years. Most of mine have lasted five plus, but I've been using That's this good. a lot more work. Yeah. Most of mine have been, this one, though, I've been using all the time. So I'm working from home. I'm on it a lot when I'm not working. So I think it kind of wore out a little faster than my previous ones. But still, I managed to get four years out of that one. And my previous one before that, I got six years out of. But it's weird because the one that I bought, so that's like 10 years ago is when I bought my previous one, maybe even 11 years ago. But I was looking through the specs on it, and that one and my most recent one had almost the exact same specs when it came to like processor speed, RAM, hard drive size, all that. I don't know why I changed from that one over to this one without doing any kind of like upgrades to it or anything. I'm like, okay, that's a massive just brain cramp that I had right there to do that. But this time around, it's like, all right, I need to get something better, something faster. Because I mean, I'm always doing multiple things at one time with this thing. I'm on it constantly because, you know, eight hours of work on it, plus, you know, however much time when I'm sitting there after work where I've got it up and running, checking out stuff. So I uh, got this new one. It's a little bit smaller, which I don't like as much. I've gone from like a 15 or 7, I think it's a 15 inch on my previous one down to a 13 inch. So the okay, keyboard is... is a little bit more cramped. Yeah, there. that's a little different. And the uh, screen is definitely smaller there, which I've noticed because I'll have stuff in like just a notepad file that I had perfectly set up all tabs around perfectly it lined up and now i bring it out to this one it's like oh god my, my formatting is all gone now i have to redo all these but yeah i mean aside from that though i mean the processor is three times faster i'm going for like a 1.7 i think it was gigahertz on the previous one up to like a 4.8 on this one or something like that so nearly triple the speed of it going from four gigs of ram up to 16 on this one so four times more ram on it the hard nice. drive is smaller but i mean I, I had a one terabyte hard drive in the previous one I was using less than like about a quarter of it. Oh, wow. So it's like, all right, I don't need a one terabyte. So I've got a half terabyte on this thing. I'm using like still only about a third of it right now. So it's like, all right, that's not bad at all. I can, I mean, hell, you can get, you know, like a one terabyte memory stick for what, 40 bucks or so to plug in if I really need yeah. extra space. So, so what'd you get? What kind of computer did you get and who'd you get it from? This is a Dell XPS 13. So, uh, it's not as low as like the Inspiron. Inspiron is the last two that I had for both Inspirons, which I mean, they worked well for a while, but they're definitely kind of an entry level laptop, very basic kind of a thing. XPS is a little bit of a step up, not quite up into, you know, the gaming laptops or anything like that, but it's got enough that I can edit video a lot better and a lot easier and have fewer slowdowns when I'm trying to upload it to YouTube and everything, which for me, that was the biggest thing. I'm doing so much stuff with video now. Yep. With audio, where I'm trying to, you know, record stuff into here with uh, photo work because of just, I mean, all my regular workday stuff so it's a lot better for that so dell xps 13 it's been great here after a week working out all the bugs on it a little bit and making sure i've got all my uh, all the software that i want on it set up but i think i finally got to going to where i wanted to and so that is my stamp approval for the week is the dell xps 13 where'd you get it from from dell from dell, from right from dell. Through, yeah right through dell very cool well congratulations it's, it's always exciting when you get a new computer Really yes, is. absolutely. Especially, I mean, I'm I'm on this thing all the time. So it's like, it basically, I mean, my life kind of surrounds this whole thing. So it's like, all right, it's good to have something that, you know, 
actually can keep up with what I need to do now. All right, Drew. My stamp of approval, TKM stamp of approval, is candy. You know where we're got Halloween coming up, which is awesome because ah, yes. you got the little. You don't have to get the whole big candy bar or the big box or whatever. You just get the the little bag with the twenty different trial sizes. You know, kid sizes in it. I love Halloween, and I rediscovered Milk Duds. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's a simple candy, right? It's just chocolate and caramel. You get the little box. There's three Milk Duds in them. It's great, you know. Yeah, after dinner, you you have uh, you know garlic or something. You just want to just pop in a couple candies in in your mouth to get rid of that that after after dinner taste. Perfect. I, I'm a big fan of the milk dud. Yeah, you a milk dud guy? Not quite so much because the caramel in those just it's so chewy. I was like my caramel a little bit softer there. You know, easier to bite into. It's not going to you know rip your fillings out or anything like that, but. They they are good. I am a caramel fan, so yeah. I I'm a huge caramel fan, so yeah. I, I I I there's so many different candies that my wife's been getting these how you know the Halloween bags and uh it's just they're just sitting there staring at me every day. <laughs> so I am going for milk duds. I think the fun size is a misnomer because you know those little ones are called fun size. Yeah. To me, a fun size one is going to like take up the entire surface of my table. That's real fun, right there. No, but know what the best part of the fun size is? Is you can have like two or three each, two or three candies. So you All right, can get, yeah, that's fair. You can have like fair. a Reese's and a and a Hershey bar, or you know, what I mean, yeah. which is which is much better because then you get the the taste, the the two different tastes or three different tastes, and you're still not filling yourself with with all these empty calories. So that is a fair point that I did not think of. I like that. That's good. So I do like the big, like I bought about, I got a box, you know, the, the movie theater size box. Oh, yeah. I did get a box. I did get a box of milk duds and these, that, that did last me a little while, but I do like the little, the little box is just three milk duds in them. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect size uh, for me. And I like the, cho- yeah, I know I like the chocolate, I like the caramel. I'm a big yep. You know, every once in a while, you're like, "Oh yeah, I used to like that. Why haven't I? Why did I stop eating it?" And then, then milk duds was one of them. I was like, "I really like these." Yeah. So that's my my TTM cast stamp of approval is milk duds, guys. Go get them. We get Halloween coming up. Save, you know, pull pull a couple boxes up for the kids, but make sure you pull out a couple for you as well. Milk duds gets my TTM cast stamp of approval. All right, Drew. Next up is the Vern Rap Minute. The Vern Rap Minute. Yay! Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap, who passed away prior to me sending a TTM request out to him. So we try to run down people that have passed away in the world of celebrity and sports or even politics. So you might be sending out a TTM request. Uh, this week, we lost a, a few more people. Last week was, thank God, we only had a couple of people on the list. This week, yeah. we have some interesting people on the list. Uh, we lost Mark Managers. Man, Mark was on the cover of the October 1976 Sports Illustrated. He was a, a quarterback from Maryland. And he was one of those 
um, I don't know, like th- those those kids that were, were was born to be a quarterback type of thing. You know what I mean? Like yep. Marinovich, and there's always like this always seems like one of those guys that comes up that you know he was he was at ten years old. This guy is going to be the, the the next quarterback. You know? Yep. yep. Well, Mark was this guy. He was sixty seven years old. He only played. Uh, he was drafted by the Rams in nineteen seventy eight draft he played one game with the cardinals so he got into the nfl but never quite had the career that he thought that they thought he was going to have when he was in high school uh he also went and played a year in the cfl uh he did a he signed a few ttms last ttm was 2022 mark manages was 67 years old seems like that happens a lot with especially in football with the guys that are like highly touted from early on i mean marinovich only lasted what maybe three seasons or so total yeah. after being a first round pick uh, we also lost Hubert Ginn this week. Hubert was a running back in the 1970s. Uh, let's see, he was with the Dolphins, the Colts, and the Raiders. He was actually part of the 1972 Dolphins undefeated team. Played on the 76 Raiders as well. But yeah, last his career from 1971 to 78 throughout all those teams. His last TTM was in 2016. Hubert Ginn was 76 years old. Thank you, Drew. Well, you know, this 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 guy I never heard of in... I was amazed when I started looking into him and learning more about him. His name is Bobby Dernbaugh. He was a shortstop. He played two games with the Cincinnati Reds in 1957. And I looked at his TTM results, and boy, was he a great TTMer. Somebody, some people found him. I don't know how, because he probably maybe he had a card, maybe he had a 57 card or 50, 56 card. I'm not quite sure, yeah. but he he was a pretty good signer. Bobby uh, Dernbaugh was 90 years old. We also lost uh, Phil Sellers this week from the basketball world. Phil was a forward, played at Rutgers University, and in 1976, drafted by the Detroit Pistons, played briefly for them before going into a coaching career back as alma mater of Rutgers. He's a member of the New York City Basketball Hall of Fame and the Rutgers Hall of Fame as well. So uh, not too long in the NBA, but made himself well-known at other levels there. Uh, he was not a TTMer. Phil Sellers was 69 years old. Drew, we lost Rorick Harrison. I bet he's the only guy that was named Rorick in the uh, NBN and uh, MLB history. Would you think so? Yeah, I can't really think of any other times I've heard that name anywhere, really. I know. Rorick Harrison, he was a pitcher. He played for Baltimore, Atlanta. He played for your Indians, Cardinals, from 72 to 76. And he also played for the Twins in 78. He was kind of a, um, a pitcher. Like, he was a starter. He was a reliever. He kind of went back and forth, right? He was a good TTM. He signed uh, last signed in 2020. I actually got him for my 78 set. Rorick Harrison was 76 years old. I'm gonna have to look on that, but I think he, I think his card in the 72 set may be the first one of all those uh, rookie cards there, where all three uh, people on it have passed away. It was uh, Johnny Oates, Don Baylor, and Rorick Harrison that were yeah. all on it. Harrison was the last one surviving out of them. Very cool. Uh, we also lost uh, Henry Boucher this week. He was a hockey player in the 1970s, played from 71 to 77. Best known with the Red Wings. You may remember him if you ever saw him play. He always had long hair with a headband on, which is always kind of a strange yeah, and cool look he, for Before a, you had to wear the helmets, he would wear the headband. Right, yeah. Native American guy, too, if I remember right. So I'm up, where, up in uh, central Canada there. Uh, but played for the Red Wings, North Stars, the uh, Kansas City Scouts, and the Colorado Rockies, as well as the Minnesota Fighting Saints in the WHA. Uh, his career was definitely affected by a uh, stick swinging incident that he had with uh, Bruins Dave Forbes and with an eye injury off that. And not sure if he ever played again after that. I know if he did, his career was never the same after that. It may have ended his career. But uh, Boucher was a, a great TTM. Last signed in uh, September of 2021, so 
may have had some illnesses there late in life or something like that. But uh, Henry Boucher was 72 years old. Sure. I was out with my wife and son um, the other day, uh, last weekend, actually, for dinner, right? And I sit down in this restaurant. It was just like kind of a sports bar type of place, you know, family sports bar type of place. So we're in there and we're watching. It was Sunday, actually. We're, we're watching uh, football. And some guy comes into the, uh, to the bar, sits down. He had a Minnesota North Star hat on. I like, oh, wow. Don't you love seeing those in the wild? I love. Seeing, yes, absolutely. I, I like like if I like seeing like the Harvard Whalers or just like mm-hmm. some uh, team that's no, not with us. Your Expos, you know, what I mean, like I love yep. I love seeing that out in the wild. There's some guys say hey, <laughs> sporting yep. the North Star hat. Good. Good job. I think the next national, I'm going to have to break out my uh, North Star shirt with a Basil McRae on the back. Ah, nice. I love the I love the old North Stars. I don't know. Yep. That's one team that I don't know why they folded and went to to dallas that yeah if you can't make hot make hockey work in minnesota you, you you you're not doing something right you know what i mean it's it had such a weird history there too because i mean they basically absorbed the cleveland barons in the 1970s there and then and, in and the golden sales too right didn't they take the golden sales well golden seals became the barons and yeah, then the barons, yeah, yeah. they moved out to be the barons there and then in 1991 they split off and half their players went to become the san jose sharks which is you know kind of a weird because like I said, there were the Golden Seals moving to Cleveland. Then it's like, oh, hey, they're reborn again now out there in in uh, San Jose. So just kind of a weird history of the way that the team was composed there and split off like that. And then just, yeah, end up eventually moving there because, I mean, they kind of got screwed over by two owners in a row because, I mean, uh, what's his name? Gordon Gunn was like, oh, yeah, hey, I want to move the team. And the NHL was like, no, you're not moving them. We'll give you this expansion team. And then whoever they end up selling the North Stars to was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and move the team now. And they're like, eh, okay, whatever just weird yeah and i know it's, i mean it's nice that dallas you know state kept the stars but and the, the colors of the uniform and stuff but um i really hate when teams move like that and yeah you know like the i hate the ravens keep the colts record and i don't i just don't like that yeah it's just it's it's just weird and yeah <laughs> i'll just leave it at that because i mean i can go on a hour-long rants on the Browns and Ravens there. And, oh, I know. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I gave you a subject for the next one, because that, that, yeah, that does exactly. deserve a rant. Right, on well, that that, next, next time the Browns play the Ravens, I'll go with that. Yeah, there we that go. That wraps up our Vern Rap Minute. Uh, we, our condolences go out to anyone who lost uh, somebody this week, and in, in our, our, our sympathy to, to, to uh, anyone that lost someone this week. So that wraps up Vern Rap Minute. Next up, Drew, we'll do a little TTM Returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. True. So for two guys that our life is TTMing, mm-hmm. we're not looking that great this week. Yeah, this has been weirdly slow. I mean, it's been weirdly slow for me for a couple of weeks now, but I also haven't set out a whole time. I've got stamps sitting here that I just need to write stuff on. But still, it's like, yeah, it's been it's been very, very slow for a while now. Very, very slow. I actually have two coming back, coming today. I don't know what they are. So when my mail comes today, I'll have two returns in. But I didn't. I haven't gotten anything all week. Wow! So I was I was totally shut out all week. I I was like you. I think I went two weeks. I didn't send anything out. So I actually yeah. sent out 15 1978 tops hockey cards uh, yesterday. Actually, so uh, I've got that out, and I sent out a bunch of uh, 1986 football cards uh, last week as well. So nice. hopefully, I will start seeing some returns. But I don't even have a name. I got I got no returns to to to, to talk about yet because I don't wow. know. Who, unlike you. I don't put the initials on the envelope, so I don't right. I don't know what I got coming. Yeah, yeah. How's your returns? 
not good either. You made a recall if you listen to our Wednesday show that I mentioned, oh, yeah, I've got one already in this week. I'm going to save it for Saturday and hopefully I have some more to talk about. Well, I may have jinxed myself by saying that because that is the only one I have gotten in <laughs> all week. And so, yeah, arriving back on, I think it was Monday, it was Steve Larmer. So, I mean, a solid player right there, a guy with you know over 400 NHL goals, potential future Hall of Famer, I think, at some point. But, uh, yeah, I needed him for my 88-89 top set. Sent that one and a couple other cards and got that 88-89 back signed. You can see it right there, Jeff. Oh, that came out nice. Yeah, it came out real great. I mean, Larmer's got it's a very short autograph. They're just like S-T-L-R-M, essentially. But, I mean, he signs it consistently, at least. And, uh, yeah, it just took a few months to get back to me there. And it was to a, an address in Canada. I think it was like a... Some kind of like rural route something or other. It was like a literal middle of nowhere kind of a place that he's at right now, which, hey, that sounds cool to me. I mean, living in the middle of nowhere of Canada, I, I could deal with that, I think. So, yeah, I mean, got that back, though, after a couple months. So another one to add into my set. I've actually gotten five in over the last few weeks. I still need to put up in my binder there. So I'll probably get to those at some point today or tomorrow just to start getting this mess here organized a little bit. So, uh yeah, that's my only one for the week. I haven't mailed anything out yet, but I've got a pile here that I just need to start putting pen to paper on here, which I hopefully will have time to do uh, maybe tonight or tomorrow. All right, I'm going to need your help because when I was going through my 78 cards the other day, there were three guys from Sweden, all that sign, but mm -hmm. I, I don't have Swedish stamps. I have nothing nothing from Sweden, so I have to look at I have to. I need some help from you on that one. I'll see what I can find. I think the last ones I bought, I don't remember if I bought them off eBay or if I bought them straight from the Swedish the Swedish post office, but I can look around and see what I can find. I can send you a couple links on that. All right, cool. Thank you. All right. Well, guys, that wraps up our uh, returns for the week or, or our not returns for the week, <laughs> whichever way you want to look at it. Glass half full, glass half empty, right? Yep. Um, let's wrap this thing up. Let's wrap the show up, put a bow on it. I think we are uh, good to go. What do you think, Drew? I think so. I think we got everything uh, pretty covered well here. All right, guys. Uh, first, I want to thank Steve, Jeff Owens from Sports uh, Collectors Digest for joining us, uh, celebrating 50 years. Uh, great to have him on. Remember, if you want to have something appraised, and it's not an official appraiser, but it's his opinion, from Les Wolf, we're going to do uh, appraisals next week with Les. So if you have something you'd like to get Les's opinion on, uh, either an autograph or a value on something, please send us. We need a couple pictures, you know, a picture, one or two pictures. Send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, and put like four less in the subject line. Uh, we are going to be doing that on next week's show. So um, please, we rec request you have anything in by the end of the day on Wednesday so we can get to uh, have less do it Thursday when we do our uh, appraisals and interview, all right? I want to thank Alan Lewis, collector Alan Lewis, who joined us. He was on Wednesday's show, last this past Wednesday's show. Uh, next Wednesday, we have Ted Mann. This Wednesday coming up, Ted Mann from Collects. So uh, make sure you... You tune in for that one on Saturday. We are going to have Tim Gallagher, who is a works for Robert Edwards auction. He's consignment uh, uh, guy. And he also is a huge basketball historian and a great uh, poster on, on Twitter. So uh, we will talk with Tim Gallagher and we also will have Les Wolf doing appraisals. Uh, Drew, anything else before I let you go? No, I think we got everything uh, pretty well covered and well, hopefully we'll both have better uh, weeks at the mailbox next week here after this one. Yeah, I think we will. All right, pal, you have fun at the Rangers game, Mariners game. Uh, I'll be uh, fingers crossed you get Julio. That'd be awesome. Uh, yep. And we will uh, we'll, we'll update you guys on uh, Wednesday's show. So, guys, wishing everyone many happy returns. We will see you on Wednesday. Be good.